Lord, we thank you that we can gather together in your name, know your presence with us, and Lord, for the amazing gift of your word. As we open it together now, we open our hearts to you, Lord. May you come speak to each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Please be seated. I want to add my welcome. It is so great to have you sharing with us at our 8 o'clock service this morning. Holidays are over. Uh, we are back in to term four, a really exciting term ahead. And we're in the midst of a series in Psalm 23. And each week we have been reading this psalm out loud together uh, with the aim that by the end of this series we might be able to memorize this. So we're going to read it again together this morning. Psalm 23. Are you ready to read this together? I think it's going to come up on the screen. There it is. Here we go. Let's read together. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word to us over this series and this morning. And today we are focusing in on verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I heard the story recently of a passenger in a taxi who leaned over to ask the driver a question and gently tapped him on the shoulder to get his attention. The driver screamed, lost control of the cab, nearly hit a bus, drove up over the curb and stopped just inches from a large plate window. For a few moments, everything was silent in the cab. Then the shaking driver said, are are you okay? I'm so sorry, but you scared the daylights out of me. And the badly shaken passenger apologized to the driver and said, I didn't realize that a mere tap on the shoulder would startle someone so badly. And the taxi driver said, oh, no, 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 I'm I'm the one who's sorry. It's entirely my fault. This is my very first day driving a taxi. I've been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. (laughs) You know, fear can so easily overwhelm us, can't it? Have you ever been overwhelmed by fear? And today as we look at this verse, we are looking at the topic of fear and worry and anxiety. And specifically, what is God's answer to the fear and worry and anxiety that consumes our world and so often impacts our own lives as well. And the reason this is such a big deal and is so relevant for us here today is because we are living in a period of history and in a culture where all the evidence and the research would point to the fact that fear and anxiety and worry is at a greater level than ever before. In the middle of the 20th century, there was a whole lot of work done by philosophers and writers and psychologists and and studying around this topic of anxiety. And W.H. Auden wrote a very famous poem in 1947 called The Age of Anxiety. 
And in this poem, he was describing the fact that our modern time in which we live is the age of anxiety. That's how he described it. And there was a lot of consensus at the time that we modern people have a lot more anxiety disorders than our ancestors did before us. Now, that was back in 1947, and since then, levels of fear and anxiety and worry have not been going down, they have been increasing all the more. Let me give you some more recent uh, evidence or research. In New York Times, the New York Times in 2016 wrote an article, Seth Stevens wrote an article showing that Google searches for anxiety have increased 150% since 2004. Anxiety today is three times as much as a decade ago, which is pretty stunning when you think about it. The American Psychiatric Association ran a poll on 1,000 US residents in 2017, and they found that nearly two-thirds were extremely or somewhat anxious about health and safety for themselves and their families, and more than a third are more anxious overall than last year. In August 2018, Barnes & Noble, who are the largest book retailer in the United States, announced a huge surge in sales on books about anxiety, a 25% jump on June of just the year before, June 2017. And the future is not looking any different. The, the trajectory is going up. All of the research points to the fact that millennials are the most anxious generation of all. So when we look at Psalm 23, when Psalm 23 tells us we are to fear no evil, this is very relevant for us today, here this morning. And each one of us have things that we are worried about, anxious about, fearful about right now, here this morning, or have been in the past, or will do in the, new, uh, in the near future. And of course, fear and worry and anxiety, they're not a new thing, are they? David, who wrote this psalm, knew a thing or two about worry. He knew about dark valleys in his life, literally and metaphorically. Traditionally, this verse has been translated, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But the literal translation in the Hebrew is the valley of deep darkness, is how it puts it. And the picture of or, or the experience that David is describing here is of walking through a valley or a wadi in the desert. And I have a picture here of the type of valley that David is describing in this psalm. This particular valley that there's a photo of there is called Nahal Mishmah. It's one that would have been familiar to David. It's situated in the Judean wilderness between En Gedi and Masada. And it's in an area that David would have traversed many times across his life. And traveling through these valleys, as you can see there in the picture, um, you would often encounter deep shadows in narrow passages where thieves would often be hiding, where wild animals might be lurking. And, and these valleys were incredibly dangerous to pass through. And it was not uncommon for someone to lose their life traveling through them. So when David says, I, I walk through the darkest valley, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, on one hand for him, this is very literal. But he has walked through valleys like this one here in the picture. He knows the fear and the worry and the anxiety it causes to walk through it. Shepherds would often lead their sheep through valleys like this at different seasons of the year to get to fresh pastures. 
So on one hand, this is literal for David, but on the other hand, this is metaphorical as well as David writes these words because he has experienced many of the darkest valleys of life. If you know his story... And I realize that for each one of us here this morning, the darkest valley will be something different for you. For some here this morning, the darkest valley that you are experiencing at the moment is literally the valley of the shadow of death. Because you have lost a loved one recently or a friend recently and it's left you distraught, devastated, overcome with that sense of sadness and grief. And maybe that's where you're at this morning as you come here. Or maybe it's your own health diagnosis that's not good and you are literally walking through the valley of the shadow of death personally in your own journey. That could be your story this morning. For others, maybe the darkest valley is a deep concern or worry you have for a a child, for a son or a, a daughter and that's what's keeping you awake at night. For others, it might be a work pressure or a responsibility that has left you anxious and fearful and you're waking in the early hours of the morning and you can't get back to sleep because of this pressure that is weighing upon you. For some it might be a relationship stress or a personal conflict with a person or a family member that's weighing on you and it's creating fear and worry in your life. Perhaps your situation is that there's some people that are against you, that are opposed to you. Maybe your very reputation is under attack And that is creating anxiety for you. As you lie in bed perhaps at night or in quiet moments, it comes across you. For some it might be a memory of the past or experience that you have been through somewhere back in the past and you can't overcome it. You feel like that you are walking through the darkest valley because of what you have been through, because of an experience in the past. For others, the darkest valley might be an experience of failure feeling like you're not good enough, you don't measure up and your confidence has been shattered. And again, you're awake, overcome with fear and worry and anxiety and it keeps you awake at night. Well, as I said on the first week of this series as we launched into it, David had experienced some of the greatest successes anyone could achieve in this life, but he'd also experienced some of the most horrific heartbreak imaginable. He'd lost a child in childbirth. His own son betrayed him, tried to kill him. He had a whole nation turn against him. He had a colossal moral failure in his life. In his younger years, he was disregarded, overlooked by his father. He faced continual threats from enemy armies coming against him, just to name a few that David experienced in his life. And these things will keep you up at night. These sort of experiences will cause you fear and worry and anxiety. So David knew what he was talking about when he talked about the valley of deep darkness, walking through these dark valleys of life. But the biggest question for me and for you this morning is what is keeping you up at night? What is it that is causing you and me, what is it that is causing you fear and worry and anxiety this morning as you come? here to this place. A couple of years ago now, as a pastoral team, we were walking from the offices up towards the top property. And at the time, we had just recently purchased the last remaining um, block on this, this last remaining property on this entire block by God's amazing answer to prayer, miracle that he performed for us to do that. And at the time, 
We had purchased it but didn't have possession of it yet. We were walking up the path to the top property, which runs along or did run along the back fence of that property. And in that moment, excited about all that God had done, I couldn't help but want to sneak in and have a look up over the back fence to see the extra space that God had given to us. And so I ducked off the path into the garden and I was about to pull myself up on the fence when all of a sudden one of the other partial team members said, watch out, there's a snake. Now, when it comes to a list of fears and phobias, um, snakes are right up there for me. They're at the top of the list, okay? And let me tell you a little bit about what happens uh, when we become fearful. There's some interesting facts about fear. Fear is this chain reaction in the brain that starts with a stressful stimulus that we experience and ends with this release of chemicals that causes a racing heart, fast breathing, energized muscles, among other things, and it's known as the fight-or-flight response. You might have heard of that. right? The stimulus could be a snake. It could be an auditorium full of people waiting for you to speak. It could be a loud noise outside of your door at night. But the fear response is almost entirely automatic. We don't consciously trigger it or even know what's going on until it has already run its course. And our brains are automatically preparing our bodies for one of two responses, to either fight the threat or to flee from it. Now, you might be able to guess what my response was in this situation. Mine was the flight response. I have never moved so quickly in all my life. I didn't know I could move that fast as I was out of there, out of that garden, to the much amusement of the rest of the pastoral team as they saw me jump back from the fence on that day. But I tell you that story to say that not all fear is bad. God created our bodies to respond to fear, to keep us safe from, from real dangers and threats around us. If we didn't have any fear response at all, we would find ourselves in a lot of trouble. So not all fear is bad. There is a healthy level of fear. But the problem comes when we let our fears and our worries and our anxieties overwhelm us. The problem is when we live in a continual state of anxiety and fear and worry. That is not good for our health. And that is not how God intended for us to live. Here are a few effects of chronic worry on our bodies. Let me list some to you. Difficulty swallowing, dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling and twitching. I'm feeling anxious just looking at this list right now as I'm reading it out. But it gets worse. Worry can also lead to more serious physical consequences. Suppression of the immune system, digestive disorders, short-term memory loss, premature coronary artery disease and heart attack. Now, if you weren't worried or anxious before you came to church, maybe you're feeling a little bit anxious now, this morning, that you're here. But the point is this, God did not intend for us to live as slaves to fear. That is not how God intended for us to live. Do you know what the most frequently recorded command in the Bible is? 
It's not to do with our money. It's not to do with evangelism. It's not to do with loving and caring for others. It's not to do with envy or jealousy or pride. The most frequently recorded command in the Bible is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And the reason this is the most frequent command is because God knows that we live in a fallen, broken world, and that means that every single one of us will struggle with fear and worry and anxiety. And so God in his wisdom keeps reminding us again and again and again through his word that when we know him, when he is our shepherd, despite this broken world in which we live, when the Lord is my shepherd, I no longer need to fear anything. He says we can be set free from the bondage and weight and burden of fear in our lives. And David has discovered this, which is why he can say here, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. And then he gives the why, why he no longer fears. He says, for, which is the same as because, he says, for you are with me. That's what he says. And if you look at the structure of this psalm, this is right in the middle of the whole psalm. This is it at the exact structural center of the psalm, which means this is the climax. This is the central truth that David, that God wants us to get hold of. And if you look at the text, you'll see David changes here in his language from talking about God, and now he shifts to talking to God. He shifts from the third person to the second person. He changes from saying, he makes me lie down, he leads me, he guides me, to now from this verse on, do you notice he says, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And, and we are getting an eavesdrop in on David's prayer to God now. We are listening in on his conversation with his shepherd, with his heavenly father. And the truth we see so clearly here from David's prayer is that because he is near, because God is near, we no longer need to fear. Because he is our shepherd, we no longer need to be afraid. And our shepherd, David says, has a rod and a staff. Now, I actually brought a rod and a staff with me today. Now, don't get too excited because they're not the real thing. Um, just to clarify for you, these are plastic dress-ups. But I did bring a rod and a staff to show you what they are this morning. Now, shepherds didn't carry much with them, but they did carry with them a rod and a staff. And they both had different purposes. And a young shepherd boy, when he would take over looking after his father's flock, the first thing he would do would be go and find a young tree and he would pull it from the ground and he would particularly grab hold of the, the root part of it, the strongest part of the tree, and he would shape it into a rod. Now, I don't know if it looked exactly like this, but it was something like this. This is the best I could do. But it was like a club that the shepherd carried around with him. And he always kept it on his belt close by. And the rod was used to defend the sheep. If a wild animal came against him, he would use this rod. And they would train with this rod. They were extremely skillful with this rod to defend 
the sheep. This was the role of the rod. And David understood something that God wants all of us to understand today, and that is the fact that your shepherd is able to defend you. God wants you to know that this morning, that he is able to defend you. David understood this firsthand as he wrote this psalm. He knew what he was talking about. When David, if you remember, when he went up against Goliath and Saul, who was too afraid to go up against Goliath, David came to him and said, I will go up against Goliath. And he was only 15 or 16 years old. And Saul said to David, you can't go up against Goliath. He's 10 foot tall. And this was David's response to Saul. 1 Samuel 17, he said, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued it from the, the, rescued the sheep from its mouth. What did he rescue it with? He rescued it with his rod, is what David did. And when it turned on me, he says, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul, in that moment, made a brilliant military decision. He said, go. Go and the Lord be with you. Good decision that Saul made in that moment. So David knew what he was talking about. And God wants you to know this morning, you do not need to be afraid because you have a shepherd who is able to defend you. And then David mentions the staff. And the key purpose of the staff was to guide the sheep. There is a reason that the staff has a crook on the end. It's to keep the sheep on track and to grab them when they're getting off track and make sure that they are staying on the right path. That was the purpose of, of the staff for the shepherd. And one of the great causes of anxiety for us is a fear about what the future holds. Anxiety has been described as living in the future and predicting the worst. That's how it's been described. When you do this, you think about everything that lies ahead and you assume the worst possible outcome. Recently, I heard about an exasperated husband who asked his wife, why are you always worrying when it doesn't do any good? Well, she quickly piped back and said, oh, yes, it does. 90% of the things I worry about never happen. On a more serious note, Corrie ten Boom, who sheltered Jews in a German-occupied Holland in World War II and was imprisoned in a concentration camp, who knew a lot about, knew more about worrying circumstances than most ever will. This is what she wrote. She said, Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of, tom of tomorrow, tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Aren't they wise words? God promises that he will lead us, that he will guide us, and he will direct us if we will stay close to him. That is what his staff represents. We don't need to fear the future. You know, there are a number of lists 
about the most common fears that people experience. So you see lots of these, in fact, from surveys, polls, research that's been conducted. I came across this list as I was preparing, and it was in a book. It wasn't just a random web search, but here is a list of top 10 fears going from the bottom back up to the top. So number 10, fear of dogs, people have. A lot of people have a fear of dogs. Number nine, being alone at night. Number eight, thunder and lightning is quite a big fear for people. Number seven, spiders and insects might be one for you today. Number six, being trapped in a small space. Number five, flying. There's a lot of people afraid of flying. Number four, rodents are a big fear. Three, heights, a pretty big thing. Number two, giving a speech causes a lot of fear and anxiety. And finally, number one is fear of snakes. I felt so much better when I saw that list after my experience. But there is one obvious fear that is missing on this list. I don't know if you noticed it, but there's one fear that you expect to be number one on that list, and that is fear of death. And interesting, when you look at these lists, it's often down a bit lower, around 11, 12, 13 on the list. But the reality is, when you're working through your fears and worries and anxiety, a common question a counsellor might ask you to try and process in your mind to rationalise your fears is to think, well, what is the worst thing that could really happen in this situation? And the reality is, the worst thing that could really happen to us is that you die, isn't it? That's the worst thing that could happen. In reality, the greatest fear for people really is the fear of death. And David touches on this reality in this verse when he talks about going through the valley of the shadow of death. On the Sunday we launched into this series four weeks ago, we had a very special baptism. It was for Ingrid, and I think we might even have a photo on the screen, or maybe a couple of photos on the screen of that Sunday. It was... At the time, Ingrid was very unwell with cancer and uh, she really wanted to get baptised, but she was in hospital. But as God would so plan it, put things together, that her palliative care doctor was a Christian and when she said that she wanted to get baptised, he pulled out all the stops to make sure that she could be here on that day. And that day she was baptised was actually the last moment that she was able to be here at church. And just yesterday morning, Ingrid went to be with Jesus. The day before she passed, I had the great privilege, along with Pastor Jody and some of Ingrid's family members, of sitting around her bed, sharing with her and with, together as a family, praying together. And I want to tell you this. Ingrid was not fearful of the future. I was talking to Ingrid's husband, Chris, and she said, he said to me, he said, Ingrid's not afraid of the future. I said, I know. I know she's not. She was actually looking forward to heaven. And I want to tell you that Ingrid today is more alive than ever. More alive than ever. Amen. And this is what she shared in her testimony just four weeks ago. Just a couple of snippets that are so relevant for us today. She said these words. She says, so now I face the final chapter of my life. I've been given months to live and I'm thankful that I prayed for wisdom because that is what I gained. I learned that we tend to overcomplicate life and we lose sight of what's most important. We get distracted by the things of this world and we so easily trust ourselves instead of 
the Lord. That is the root of worry and anxiety and fear right there, isn't it? When we trust ourselves instead of trusting in God. And she said, so today I want to publicly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is my Saviour and Lord and that it's only through his death and resurrection that my sins are forgiven and I am made right with God. Because of his sacrifice, I can look forward to living with him forever in paradise. And I do this not in my own strength, but only through the Holy Spirit who lives in me. This is what... David is actually pointing towards in this psalm when he says, for you are with me. He was pointing forward to the the time when Jesus would come and we could know the very presence of God in our own lives through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, this gift of the Holy Spirit, that he would come and live within us, personal relationship with him. I wonder this morning, do you have that same eternal confidence, that Ingrid? had can you say like david even though i walk through the darkest valley i will fear no evil for you are with me can you say that this morning on my desk at home where i prepare my messages i have a framed verse of scripture front in center like literally right in front of me It's there right in front of me so that every time I look up, I see it. And it reminds me of a promise that God has given to me. It's Joshua 1 verse 9, which says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. There it is again, wherever you go. This was a verse that God gave me very clearly in that season, transitioning into the role of senior pastor. A few years ago now, God gave me this verse. And there's a reason I keep this verse front and center, right there in front of me. And that is because I have seasons in my own life where I wrestle, where I feel overwhelmed by feelings of fear and worry and anxiety. But what I have discovered that is really helpful in my own journey is to be able to identify what is it exactly that is causing that fear and worry in my life? What is it exactly that I am anxious about? Is it worrying about the future? Is it an email that I've received that I'm worrying about? Is it a personal situation with someone? Is it to do with my kids? Is it fear of what others think? Is it a sermon I have to prepare? Is it a health issue? What is it specifically that I am concerned, worried, anxious about? And I have found it really helpful to actually stop when I know I'm feeling that and say, pray and say, God, show me specifically what is it? What is it that's causing me this fear and worry at that moment? And then as God reveals that to me, as as I'm aware of it, then as I identify it, I'm able then to bring it to God, to bring it to the shepherd. This is how Paul explains that process in Philippians 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. There it is again. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So here is the key. Do you see it here? It's identify. What is it? What is it that's actually causing that fear? What is it that's causing that worry? What is it specifically that's causing that anxiety? Identify it. Then when we've done that, we're able to come and bring it and put it on God's desk, so to speak, to bring it to Him. And when we do that, something amazing takes place. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, which is your emotions, which so easily can get out of control when you're feeling fearful and worried, and will guard your minds, Right? You're thinking, which again, we can just start to think irrationally about situations in those moments. It'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So as we close this service in just a moment, I want to give us an opportunity to respond to God's word by doing just that. By praying and saying, God, by your Holy Spirit, I want you to help me to show me what is it that's causing that fear and worry and anxiety in my life this morning. For some of you, you know exactly what it is already. For some of you, you're not quite sure. You know you're feeling worried. You know you're feeling anxious. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is it specifically that is causing that. And then when you identify it, we're going to have an opportunity to come and actually bring it to put it on God's desk this morning. And down the front here, I have some tables with little slips of paper. And after we've prayed for just a moment, you know what that is. I want to encourage you just to come and to write that thing down, whatever it is, no matter how big or how small it is, it doesn't matter this morning. This is the invitation from the shepherd. He says, come, put it on my desk, bring it to me this morning. As we come and we do that this morning, I believe that many of us here are going to experience that peace of God that surpasses understanding. In an anxious and worried world, people don't understand how we can know that peace, but it's because we have a shepherd. And it's because he is with us. He's here this morning by his Holy Spirit. And so we want to respond to his word this morning. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful psalm. We thank you for this truth, Lord, that you don't want us to be slaves to fear. You don't want us to live bound up by these things, Lord. This is not how you intend us to live, Lord. And you invite us as a shepherd to grab hold of this truth, Lord, that you promise to lead us, to guide us, to protect us, Lord, that we can trust you even walking through the darkest valley where the threats are real. It's real, Lord. We live in a broken, fallen world, but we, Lord, you invite us to live a different way, to know your peace. And so this morning, we want to come. And right now, Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would help each and every one of us. This is for all of us here this morning to identify what is it specifically. Maybe it's a couple of things. Maybe it's a handful of things. Maybe it's one thing. But Lord, help each and every one of us to identify what is it this morning. And then to come, to lay it on your desk this morning that we might know your peace here in this place. This is my prayer for each and every one here this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing this beautiful song, Be Still and Know that the Lord is in Control. It echoes lots of the psalm, this Psalm 23 through this song. It says, don't be afraid, for I am here. So as we stand and sing, 
as the Spirit of God reveals to you what that thing is, I invite you to come, write it. No one's going to look at it. No one knows. Just put it in the buckets in the front here. And you this morning, that's the expression of faith and trust, saying, God, you know I'm worried about this, but I'm trusting you with it. You know what the situation is, God, but I'm giving it to you this morning. I'm trusting you and allow his peace to wash over you this morning. Let's stand together as we worship. You feel free to come to respond and experience the peace of God here this morning. Lord, we thank you for that truth, Lord, that your love, your mercy, your peace, Lord, and your kindness will follow us all the days of our life. Lord, thank you for the great confidence and assurance that this brings to our life, this truth we looked at this morning. And I want to pray for each and every one here this morning, great God, that we would be carriers of your peace into this world. Thank you, Lord, that you are our shepherd. You are with us, great God. And I pray you'll help us day by day this very week to live in the reality of this truth. Continue, Lord, to set us free from fear as we place our trust in you. We worship you, we honour you, we thank you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. If you still feel free to come and respond this morning. If you'd like prayer, some of our prayer team will be down the front. They would love to pray for you as well. Don't forget. A welcome cafe outside, tea and coffee in the courtyard. God bless.